This is another episode of Behind the Sermon from Grapevine Church of Christ. Thank you so much for listening. We're in the middle of a series on leadership right now, specifically a conversation about elders and what it means to shepherd the flock that God has given you. If you want to hear the rest of the series and you haven't heard them yet, uh, continue to go backwards on this podcast and look at the past several episodes. Today, we are talking about the list of qualities that Paul uses to help his young ministers identify leaders within their congregations. Now, the list, if you want to refer to it, can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also in the book of Titus. Now, what I find fascinating about these texts is that the list that Paul uses is not necessarily a list of Christian values. Now, granted, there are two moments when Paul places God in the mix, and then one other moment when he tells Titus that these men need to have a firm grasp of the Word. But other than that, the list simply reflects the highest virtues and the Hellenistic moral philosophy of the day. So what does that mean for us? Well, In the most basic of terms, I think Paul was encouraging Timothy and Titus both to begin by looking for men who exhibited the highest image of morality. So he uses moral descriptions, high moral descriptions. People knew that if you were polygamist, you weren't going to be qualified for leadership. People knew that if you were a really bad husband, you weren't going to be qualified for leadership. But even the most moral may not necessarily be qualified to lead. So how can we tell? Well, we're going through this list. Uh, The last list we went through, the last word, was blameless. Today, we're going to ask deeper questions about this next quality. It's simply this. The quality is this. Must be married only once. Now, some people have spent time and energy trying to parse this particular phrase. They talk about polygamy. They talk about lots of different things. And although those are very interesting conversations, this is not where we're going to spend our time. Instead, I want to focus on the deeper questions that this phrase begs us to ask. So here are some in no particular order. Number one, is this man committed to his wife? Notice I didn't use the word stuck. Is he stuck with his wife? No, I use the word committed. I'm wondering... Is he with her out of something more than obligation? See, this type of commitment that I'm wondering about is is this desire that one person has to support the other. Even if we found a man who'd been married for 30 years, does that mean that he's committed to supporting his wife? Another question, are they happy together? Even though they've been married for 30 years, has it been 30 years of misery? (laughs) Do they enjoy being around each other? Does it show? Can you tell if they really like each other? How, why is this important? This is important because they're exhibiting this model of what it means for a long-standing relationship. Is happiness involved? Here's another question. Um, is this man's faith actually working in the most intimate and intense of relationships? You see, our marriage is, uh, marriage is a place where our true emotions and our attitudes are shown and shared. And in, in the midst of this man's marriage, is he still faithful? And not just faithful to God, but faithful to his promises, his vows to his wife. Is he faithful to being the spiritual leader of his family? Does his faith in God help him keep his promises? Here's another one. Are they partners Is the man lording over his wife and forcing her to do this or that for the sake of appearances or for the sake of comfort? Or do they work together? 
does he value her input, her presence, her wisdom? You see, if a husband cannot practice mutual submission and trust with his spouse, then how in the world will he practice this within the elder group or within the church body? It's careless to simplify this one phrase as simply not being divorced. Because even though a man may have been married for 10, 20, 30 years, it doesn't mean he has 30 years experience being married. He could only have one year of experience 30 times. The truth is, eldering, shepherding, it is difficult. And a strong marriage helps protect an elder from moral failure. It provides needed support when he faces draining church challenges, and it offers a powerful example to younger believers. Paul talks about this idea of true love and marriage being the representation of God's relationship with his with his world, with his church. So, so the importance here is that it's not just the fact that this person's not divorced. Go deeper and realize that marriage matters because when it comes to shepherding God's people, many of whom are married, Commitment matters. Mutual submission matters. Being committed to one another matters. And for the elder, the marriage relationship is the crucible in which they themselves are developed into the image of a caring and selfless leader, a shepherd who knows the problems and issues faced by his flock, somebody who can't just uh, see but can empathize because they themselves have been through it. Who do you know that's committed to his wife, that has a God-centered marriage? Who is it that is passionate about showing others the way to God through the relationship that they have with their spouse? Who do you know that has kept their promises to their wife? Who do you know that has a God-centered marriage? Maybe it's time to lift them up in prayer. Even if they may never ever serve as a shepherd, the world needs to see their love, their commitment, and their faith working itself out through marriage. You see, this quality is not just about making sure the man doesn't have a failure of a marriage. It's about finding men who are committed to succeeding within it. You've been listening to Grapevine Church of Christ. Subscribe to this podcast or to the Sermon Series podcast. For more information, visit our website, www.grapevinechurch.com.